0: It's been 10,511 days since the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed, and you are parked in the Access Aisle. Alright, welcome to the Access Aisle. Today I've got two guests with me to talk about some of the transportation related issues facing South Carolinians with disabilities. Joining me are my good friends Corinne Reed from the South Carolina Livable Communities Alliance and Justin Williams, a Columbia resident with a visual disability and expertise in navigating the ins and outs of accessible transportation. So let's just dive right in. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about how your disability affects you getting around in Columbia?
1: I have a visual disability. So my disability impacts my transportation and getting around, in that, I cannot drive a car like every anyone else can who can you know who can see so i have to depend on other modes and means of transportation in order to go from point a to point b anything from walking to catching an uber to i've been on the bus i've taken paratransit and still do use dart from time to time i lift cabs, and I have gotten rides from people.
0: You mentioned paratransit. Can you tell us a little bit about what paratransit is for those that may not know? So
1: basically what happens is they come and pick you up, you get on, you pay and someone drives you to your stop and it's a shared ride. So you don't know exactly when you're going to get there. So if I might get picked up at 11 in the morning and I might not get someplace till 12, 30, 12 o'clock. Or I might get there very quickly. They might drive me straight there and I might get there at 11... 10 or eleven, fifteen or whatever so you can go straight there but you don't really know so if the your stop is normally say 10 minutes away you might go straight there or it might take you 30 to 40 minutes to get there you don't you don't you know So it's a shared system so you really can't plan anything so if I were to go home in the evenings with Dart, I can't plan anything really until I get there people would I've had people ask me when are you going to get home well I'm not sure well can you estimate not really, not so that it matters. I mean, I could sort of estimate, but just, you know, be okay with me being extremely wrong.
0: Okay, so what is your preferred method of getting around?
1: Uh, Mostly Uber, but Uber or Lyft, because it's almost, it's not like having your own car, but almost. You, You know, there's a little bit of limitation to it, but you can use your trusty iPhone and get an Uber ride. At uh, just you can get an Uber ride almost you know within five minutes usually, okay. and then go to your location and uh, door-to-door service. You know it's done all on the phone. Mm-hmm. It is forty percent or so less than a cab. So, it for example, uh, let's just say a seventeen dollar Uber ride, a cab, a seventeen dollar cab ride, is about a nine dollar Uber ride a $20 cab ride is a, a is a Uber ride between did i say that right a $20 cab ride is is an Uber ride between $11 and $12 this is roughly mm-hmm. uh so it's about 40% maybe more than that cheaper except when it surges that's different yeah. but other than that you know Uber and Lyft is about it's a lot quicker now you you're going to have some trouble if you're going to really if you got a big grocery shopping yeah. there's the thing about Uber and Lyft is you don't know whose car you're getting into. So they're usually fairly clean and, you know, usually got most, you know, usually pretty neat or whatever. But you really don't know. Sometimes I got stuff in the front seat. You don't. Know, if you were to have eight or nine bags of groceries, for me, that wouldn't be ideal because you wouldn't want to be leaving. If you accidentally leave anything in the car, it's $15 for them to come back. And – uh and you don't know if you have enough room to put all that stuff in there so you so it it's it would be a little bit less than ideal I would try it though like if if I could you know that would be the only thing that I can think of that's that's sort of a minus or if you have a lot of stuff to carry but even then I would still try it like I would if I had a grocery shopping and, and I'd ordered it online, I'd still go pick it up in Uber and just sort of hope for the best. That would just be something you might run into. But outside of that, Uber and Lyft is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really helped me out a lot okay. because it gives me the almost instant independence.
0: Okay, so Corinne, can you tell us a little bit about what's unique about South Carolina's transportation infrastructure?
2: So South Carolina's transportation, um, set up. So we are the fourth largest state owner of roads in the country. About 70% of our roads are state owned if you count it based on lane miles. So for example, a five lane road, that's a mile that counts as more lane miles than a two lane road. Gotcha. That's the same length, if that makes sense. Um, and so because of that, a lot of infrastructure changes have to go all the way up through those bureaucratic ranks to all the way up to SEDOT, even if it's like a neighborhood road or something like that, which leads to a lot of issues where things aren't really being maintained as quickly as the locals would like. Also, um, as far as getting sidewalks and lights and, and, or bike lanes, crosswalks, those things can be especially challenging for people for people to make happen in their communities. Another issue that we have is that, so we have a one-year repaving list in South Carolina. And what that means is from the time that the Department of Transportation, so DOT decides it's time for this road to get repaved, um, cities and municipalities often only have a year or less to collect public input to decide what they're going to do before it's time for asphalt to go on the ground. Um, to put that in perspective, Georgia and North Carolina both have a three year repaving list, so they have much more time to collect information about who's using this road, how are they using it, are they driving, are they walking, are they biking, are they busing, um, and so that that's another, another barrier that we experience. Um, What we are also seeing is that oftentimes people just don't have sidewalks or other just basic accommodations in their communities. Um, And as a result of of how our infrastructure is set up, we are number one in traffic fatalities in the country. Um, And about 15% of those are bicyclists and pedestrians. So what we're wanting to do is really, with the SE Livable Communities Alliance, we're wanting to, to change that. Through what we're calling a complete streets policy, okay. so the streets will be complete if they don't just accommodate those who can drive, but also everyone else who's using the road too.
0: Okay, so um, piggybacking off of that, Justin, what has your experience been as a pedestrian trying to navigate South Carolina's road? Uh,
1: well, for me, just I use I've walked all over downtown, you know, so it's
0: downtown Columbia.
1: Downtown Columbia, yes sometimes streets break up you know sometimes uh the side there'll be sometimes there's no sidewalk in some some areas of the city into even some of the areas that I've been I, I'm trying to think of this, some of the streets that are just sometimes the sidewalks blend into the curve so you're like is that a sidewalk or not you know so it's kind of like well the sidewalk doesn't really begin at the corner. Mm-hmm. So you end up either walking on the grass and dodging trees, or what I do is step out into the traffic and walk alongside the cars until sometimes I'm in the middle of the uh, – kind of get a straightaway. Then you either – you go back onto the sidewalk. Uh, sometimes uh, so that, that, that can happen. And, and you- I don't know how – the driving itself has been affected i know the roads i feel the roads pretty bumpy when i'm riding along but i don't know i'm trying to think if i've had any interactions that a lot of it is is the infrastructure the sidewalks and the streets aren't 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 always like it should be you want to make sure you also have something to tell you when you're going to walk into the street yeah.
0: -hmm. And you use you? Can you talk a little bit about your white cane? The white
1: cane is something that it lets the people see that you have a visual disability. I use mine pretty much to go everywhere, and I'm feeling for sidewalks. I'm feeling for it's called they call it the bump and adjust method. That's what that's one of the jokes that you hear, but it's you know you're feeling for sidewalks. You're feeling for changes. Is that grass? You're looking for light poles or trees. Uh, you're looking for just what the different changes of the sidewalk. So when you're going out into a street, sometimes a driveway and a street will feel the same. Mm-hmm. So you just sort of have to be able to intuit, Is that a driveway or a street? You know? Um, I know I've had a couple of times where I not knowing a block, sometimes you don't know the difference between a side street and a driveway. So you just go across that open patch, and if you don't hear any cars going, you just keep moving. Okay. And then, um, hey, it was either a. Stri- I've, I've had that happen. It's either a driveway or a street. Usually, I can tell, but okay. every now and again, you, you can't, you know, because and then, um, you get to the corner. You know, you're, you're looking for that curve cut, you know, or the way the sidewalk kind of turns into the grass. Yeah. And for for the corners, what you're looking for. Okay.
2: And then another thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, so I don't personally have a physical disability, vision, or, or or mobility, or anything like that. But one thing that I do notice rather frequently, especially in the downtown Columbia shopping district near where I where I work, um, there's a lot of concern about the lack of what we call pedestrian refuge islands. So if um, so, if you have a street and for whatever reason you have to stop in the middle of the street. Um, oftentimes there'll be this kind of raised concrete area where a pedestrian can, can kind of stand until they feel comfortable proceeding. Um, at least once a week when I'm driving or I'm walking, I see somebody who either they have a cane or they're in a wheelchair, and every week at least, I see someone who's going across the crosswalk And the light turns green before they're across the street. And it's awkward and also terrifying because it's one of those situations where you can see the person going, I'm not sure if I should just book it as fast as I possibly can, or if I should just kind of hang out in the middle of the road. And then the cars are confused because the people in the cars don't know, do I go? Am go Am I going to hit this person? Um, And a lot of, so the lack of pedestrian refuge islands, and then also the lights change very quickly. Sometimes these lights change too fast for me. So I can imagine somebody who, um, even though I don't have a a mobile disability, I can empathize with the idea of, if this were any more difficult for me, I would not make it across this street.
0: Justin, you seem like you had a strong
2: reaction.
1: Laurel and Assembly Street. I can think that's the right corner. Mm-hmm. Is one of those where you sort of, I'm not even sure you can, you can, it is hard to make it across that. I mean, I end up, I can't remember how long that light is, but it seems about some of the time I end up just simply either barely making it or like having to dodge a car or two. And assembly um,
0: Street. That's that's a multi-lane.
1: It's massive. It's big, and it's Laurel and Assembly, and I think that is one of the fastest lights that I've seen.
2: I'd go as far as to say that Assembly is probably the busiest street in downtown Columbia, and it's I think six. I want to say it's a six-lane road. It might be it eight. It feels. Five. <laughs> I, I think it's it at is, least it's, five. It's,
0: yeah. Yeah, because there's, there's parking, sure. there's the medians, mm-hmm. there's, there's the medians that you're not allowed to cross mm-hmm. for, for certain stretches of assembly because they've got gates up there. Right.
1: Yeah, and so I know Laurel and assembly, that light seems to change awful fast. Uh, I don't know what, what's up with that. It and, just seems like it does.
0: And that's not far from the transit center. Where you've got a lot of pedestrians because that's where the buses, the bus routes yeah. start and end. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: yeah, Laurel and Sumter. Uh, so it seems like that isn't that is, awfully fast, um, for as far as I can tell. Um, I can make it across, but like just barely or something. I mean, I, I'm gonna have to go and real time it and see, mm-hmm. and see how that works. But I've been in those situations where you catch a light a little bit. I don't know if you've been in them where you catch a light just a little, a second or two late, and
2: mm-hmm. you're going
1: across that street, and man, the cross traffic's coming. I mean, you're in the middle of it.
2: Or anyone who's turning right on red. Yes,
1: turning right on red. Oh yeah.
2: So even if you have the right of way and it's time for for your part to to walk across the street, you get people, stopped. Yeah, you you get stopped anyway.
1: Yes, I've had that happen where two or three cars turn in front. Cause You have to wait until that car goes off your left shoulder. Like it's, man, we're we getting precise. So when the car comes up, let's just say I'm using the left side. I have to wait until it's off parallel right with that left shoulder when it's, you can tell it's going straight to go. Mm-hmm. You go straight along with it, so you use it as a shield. Um, to do anything else, if you don't do it like that, you actually can get hit. Because they'll turn, and they're gonna turn at 25 miles an hour, but they're not gonna turn on the car behind, that's right beside you. That car's is kind of like your your shield almost, because they're not gonna turn into that usually. But if you just go on a just on a dime, like right as the the parallel traffic goes, somebody can turn right into you. I've had to actually turn very quickly a few times, in almost like i'm walking this way and i've had to do this all of a sudden so i've had to like turn real fast to avoid being hit by turning traffic i've had to just stop on a dime or turn or stuff like that and see that was because i kind of stepped out a little too quick so uh so you know that's kind of one of those things you learn um to kind of wait about it you hesitate about a half second and then you Mm -hmm. can tell
0: so what are some things that that we as a community can do to improve the quality of pedestrian infrastructure and transportation options in South Carolina?
2: Um, well, I think with the day-to-day, as far as, um, like, what could I do five minutes from now after I get off listening to this podcast, um, definitely being very aware of, of your surroundings. Um, oftentimes it's really easy to be in a car and just have road rage where you just, you don't really even see the other folks on the road as people anymore. It's that's a Honda civic that's in my way, or that's a pedestrian that jumped out in front of me. Um, but just really kind of keeping in mind who's around you whenever you're driving and also trying to get out and walk as much as you can. Um, Hmm. I I feel that because my first five years in Columbia, I didn't have a car. And I think that really helped me build my empathy for people who, for whatever reason, either can't or don't drive. Um, because that's where I understood, like, crossing the busiest street, downtown Assembly Street. And that was when I realized, ooh, this is really hard for me.
1: Try it in the rain.
2: Try it in the rain. <laughs> Try it in a wheelchair. Try it if you can't see. That kind of thing. Um, but definitely that, that awareness raising on, on, on your own. But also, we're thinking long term, so we have this policy campaign that we're working with the Department of Transportation to try to get, to, just to try to get them to tweak a few things. Because we do understand they're the fourth largest state owner of roads, so they can't be everywhere all the time. We're, we're empathetic to that, but we do have some recommendations for how they can make things better to make sure that they're re- reflecting local interests and the interests of all the different, demographics, who use the streets all of the time. So different ways that you can take action to support SC Livable Communities Alliance. Um, If you are a mayor, business owner, or organization leader, if you could sign our policy letter of support, and you can find that information on sclivablecommunities.org. And then also, you can sign up for our email listserv, and if you are interested in, in this issue, if you're just really on fire about it, um, you can make that happen. Again, that website is sclivablecommunities.org, or you can contact me directly. Our number is 803-445-1099.
0: Awesome. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode. So thanks for being with us, Corinne and Justin, and thanks for listening. Join us again next month right here in the Access aisle.